137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal's Listener Story Extravaganza, which bleeds over into episode 201. Mm. And with me, as always, is Preston. What's up, everybody? And Steve. Hello there. And on this episode, we are going to finish off the listener stories from our 200th episode celebration, uh, which was just... A lot more than we expected. We even got an extra one uh, since we recorded episode 200, so hits keep coming. Ooh. And I've got one news story, but I'm going to include that in the middle of the episode because it actually would be better suited for a topic that comes up a little bit later. So nice. I've got nothing new. Either of you guys got anything noteworthy? Um, no. I went and saw a badass. Well, I've been doing two things that are paranormal. One is a mm-hmm. video game called Last Stop. Um, I've not beat it yet, but it takes place over three different people and the people in their lives are all intertwined in this like weird story. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to give too much away, but it has paranormal elements and it's really cool and it's all British. So the charm is there and it's awesome. Check it out on game pass on Xbox and PC. The other paranormal thing that I went and watched today was old M night Shyamalama ding dong's new movie. And it's pretty oh shit! How was fucking that? Awesome! It's really was it? Yeah, I really liked it. Um, you know, his movies always have the twist, and yeah, uh, the the twist is kind of on the nose to a degree of what some mm-hmm. of the things we deal with today in in our world. And uh, it's it's awesome, and it's kind of kind of moving and sad and scary and intense and like yeah, it was really good. Uh, but I had a I had a Sean moment in the theater. Uh, he, he opens up with uh, the movie starts and it opens up with M Night in front of the camera and he's like, uh, you know, I've been making movies since 1999. I movies need to be seen in the theaters. Thanks for coming to my movie. Welcome back. And I'm like, and I'm like, if Sean was here, he'd be like, you're so fucking full of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to. I I like him. I like most of his movies. Yeah. But... Yeah, he's uh, yeah, that, that, but he he he's like he's like me and you, man. We really believe in the theater, and uh, I'm really glad I went and watched that. And it's a beautiful, beautiful shot movie. You can clearly tell it was shot during the pandemic. Very small cast and crew, mm-hmm. um, but they they nailed it. They really did really. He did really good with this movie. So go check it out. Oh, yeah. It's called Old, uh, and it's pretty badass. You mean I can't watch it on HBO? Nope. Fuck all that shit. And I love it. Every every trailer I seen today was it I mean, they hammered it in with yeah. only in theaters. Only in theaters. Yeah. I, I I know why people like the HBO and the I don't know, I'm not gonna say Disney because you still gotta pay the twenty nine ninety nine to watch it. So right. uh the HBO Max, I understand that. I've even taken advantage of it on a couple of movies, but like mm-hmm. it's not the same. It's never going to be it, the same, period. It, it's not. And I tell you what movie. So I, I, I've made a, a, a vow that I'm not going back to the movie theater until November. And my first movie that I actually see 
has to be a doozy, and that's going to be Ghostbusters Afterlife. I already told the missus, like, don't fucking ask me for a date to go to the movies. Like, November, game on. But until then, fuck it, we're not going. <laughs> so the, the other thing that's great is that there's this thing right here, right? Right in front of your face, and it's swinging right in front of you. You know what that is? It's called the Nutsack of Dune, and that movie's going to come out, and everybody's going to jock it, and you're going to hop right on it. No one's going to know what's going to fucking hit him when that movie comes out. Mark my words. The spice must flow. Oh, what's going to hit me is my dog and my cat on the couch because I'm watching that shit at my house. Fuck that shit. That's garbage. <laughs> that movie needs to be seen in fucking theaters, dude. I was very surprised they actually are doing the HBO thing with that. Yeah. Because I figured that would be a, a must-see in theaters. Yeah, you have, to, you, have you, know? to. you have to see that movie in theaters. Yeah, I'll split the difference, Steve. I will watch the original at home because um, I've never seen the original all the way through. Right. It's on my Voodoo, but yeah. and you and you have my Voodoo account. Dude, that movie's yeah. going to be so epic. And I, I, I really, I'm just so excited for people to hit that on a mainstream again. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. People are excited. It's a very celebrated story, and unfortunately, it just didn't really get its day in court because of the budget mm-hmm. and the time that it was shot. It was just a very, very big, ambitious project. So, oh, I'm so excited. Well, good. I'm glad, man. I'm, I'm super excited that you're excited. Well, speaking of excited, we are incredibly excited because we have more stories to share with you guys that listeners have sent in to us. So why not get into it right now? Sweet. So listener Bob Gilmer from the Wichita Paranormal Research Society here in Wichita, where we're from. I guess he's a paranormal investigator. Preston? Yeah. Get some comp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, he, he writes in with uh, one of his stories. So here it is. One of the first things that happened to me at Old Cowtown Museum was 10 years ago. We were standing outside setting up equipment and I looked in between two buildings. It was about six in the afternoon and this rock came flying at us from nowhere. Three of us were standing there in the middle of the road and I looked between the two buildings where the rock came from and I see this seven foot tall shadow man. Ugh. No details. It just looked like the Peter Pan shadow that he always fights, but standing straight up and it was about seven feet tall. Sometimes you can see an outline that looks about like an old hat and sometimes a trench coat, sometimes not, <laughs> kind of like the mysterious stranger in Fallout. But I've seen <laughs> but, I, but I've seen them at least six times now, and everybody on our paranormal team has seen him. Well, take us, because I want to see some shit like that. Yeah. We take off running after it, not knowing what we would do. It was just pure instinct. Anyway, he got within five feet from us, turned, and you can see the shoulders turn, and then it just disappeared, and we all stood there looking shockingly at each other. <sighs> we do a lot of ghost hunting events at the museum, and and an older gentleman came up to me and asked if uh, he if I ever saw a shadow person, and I told him the story. He said they saw it when he was a kid in the Boy Scouts in the 1950s on the property. The people that worked there believed that it was part of the property before the museum was built because it was just a sandbar on the river, and they believed the Indians used to meet there. Almost like a spirit guide to the outer world. Or other world. I'm not 100% sure, because every time you try to get a direct look at it, it disappears. 
It's only out of the corner of your eyes, and then when you try to focus, poof, it's gone. Mm-hmm. That's wow. crazy. Right in our right in our backwoods, man. Right. Um, I've got friends and family who have all been to Cowtown on ghost tours and swear they've seen shadow people there. So we gotta check it out. Yeah, I'm game. Kenny Pooh got married. Preston's gonna bring his uh, shit like Egon. Oh yeah. Kenny Pooh got uh, married at uh, Cowtown, and uh, we had the reception there. But I was like in high school, so I don't. Jared got married. I don't remember seeing shadow people there or not. But you know, I'm game. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't been to Cowtown in gosh, probably thirty years. We used to go all the time back in grade school, and I just that place bores me to fucking tears. But. My brother's there uh, every Saturday. He helps volunteer at Cowtown for the Masonic Lodge. He dresses up like a cowboy with a Mason regalia. Huh. Do the Masons go back that far? Yeah, yeah. Um, Masonry's oh, been around uh, <laughs> for uh, a long ass time, my friend. Yeah, I learned that in the in the Civ- the Sid Meier Civilization games. Boom! <laughs> nice. Well, the Cowtown Museum itself was established back in 1952 and is one of the oldest open-air history museums in the central United States with 54 historic and recreated buildings, including a period farm and outbuildings situated on 23 acres of land off the original Chisholm Trail. That's Mm. from Wikipedia. But yeah, we need to do that. We need to get together with Bob and his crew and uh, go out to Cowtown and then, you know, just hit the random haunts of Wichita and see what we can come up with. Well, the next story comes from Austin. I've had my fair share of paranormal, out-of-the-ordinary experiences happen to me. I had looked up some spooky, scary places to go to at night, eventually coming across a site listing an abandoned home south of Augusta, Kansas, near a a rock quarry. After getting directions down, me and a few friends headed out. 30 minutes later, we pull up to a broken gate and a very long driveway. Not wanting to drive down the way, we walked down the roughly half-mile-long path and arrive at what looks like a carport. With a busted-up car and a boat and a bunch of trees all over the place and a cattle pen. We couldn't seem to find the house that the site had mentioned, although we kept looking. We eventually shined a light just right into the trees and caught a glint of a window on the house. About 20 feet into the tree line, we see the stairs leading into the house. We see our way inside and we look around and it seriously looked like one day someone had just took what was in their pockets and left. Furniture, electronics, trinkets, various personal effects, dishes, silverware, and other miscellaneous things were strewn about. But everything was dirty, like a storm had slammed the house, blown the windows out, and let the outside in. As it turns out, the house had a basement and a second floor too. We went to the basement first, and there was more appliances, just kind of smashed on the ground, but nothing more. So we make our way to the upstairs level, but we get on the ground level, and we start hearing something moving around the basement, like heavy footsteps, 
coming towards the stairs. And they stop. Not really thinking anything of it, we keep heading up. On the second floor, we find animal skulls and various bones set up in almost cultish fashion and red blood that look more like red paint. And soon enough, we hear the steps again, this time on the ground floor, again coming to the stairs. We're nervous now, we kind of all decide it's about time to head out. As we head down the stairs and back to the ground level, we hear the steps above us, moving faster to the top of the stairs. So we decide to quick step to the door and down the steps. As we rush out the door, it literally sounded like somebody is running down the stairs and out the door behind us. My friend shined his light on the doorway to see, but the footsteps stopped right at the door. I remember feeling in danger, like something really didn't want us in there. I haven't been back since, although I'd like to go back now. Mm. Well, fuck it. Let's make, but let's make a road trip. Um, <laughs> so I, I had. Um, my last year of college, I took a, I had to take like a black and white photography class. So that was kind of like the, the last yeah. class I needed to take to graduate with my degree. And, um, dad had n- known a, a kid that he grew up with in Augusta. His mom owned a farmhouse out in, uh, Bodark, Kansas, which is now it's not even considered like an unincorporated town. Like really the, there's a bridge. And then, uh, like a, an old kind of busted out general store, and then their farmhouse. And dad's like, you know, it'd be a really great place to go take black and white, you know, photos. You can get a photo of the bridge. And, um, he's like, if you want, we can get some photos around the house. And this house had been abandoned for like 20 years. And I swear to God, the whole entire time we're sitting there taking photos, like I felt like something was eyeballing us and just looking at us. And so I had like, how Sean doesn't like to fuck with, uh, uh, you know, pentagrams and Ouija boards. I don't like abandoned (laughs) things like abandoned buildings. Like, I don't know what the fuck's in there. Oh really? Yeah. It freaks, it freaks, it freaks me the fuck out. Like I automatically get the heebie jeebies. Like somebody's eyeball me. Uh, I'll go. (laughs) I'm just going to be a bitch about it the whole entire time we're there. (laughs) That's so weird. Yeah. Yeah, that is bizarre. But I mean, hey, yeah. if you believe in stone tape theory and all that kind of stuff, then yeah, those kind of locations could have some kind of energy pent up yeah. inside. So, oh, wait, there was uh, you know blood painted on the floor, and no, get the fuck out of here with that. Like animal skulls, fuck you. Like I'll wait in the car. <laughs> Let me get out to holy water. <laughs> yeah, no shit, Steve. Uh, make a note when we go to garage sales again because I want to go with you again. We got to find more cow skulls <laughs> just to uh, bring with us. Right. <laughs> what, for your, little, oh. for your little photo shoots or what? <laughs> no, to bring with us if we go investigating an old abandoned house and I can set them up while Preston's in the other yeah. room and be like, oh, shit, Preston. <laughs> Put some of them, uh, them uh, wireless glowing LED lights. By the eyes, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna bring like a backpack of, of uh, salt, and I'm just gonna like make little salt circles all around the house, protect myself. <laughs> Fuck you, you guys! This is my salt Get circle. Some sage spray yeah. from Leslie. 
Get your own fucking salt circle, Thanks. assholes. This is mine. <laughs> Get out of here. There's only room for one person in my salt circle. Well, up next, we've got a very fun submission. Preston, do you want to kind of introduce this? Yeah, my uh, my daughter uh, lately has been, you know, like a obsessed with conspiracy theories so she'll get like on youtube all the time and then we'll look things up and then she's been trying to school me on like if i know anything about them <laughs> or if i don't know anything about them and then if i'm like oh i didn't know that then she'll go on this 20 minute rant like oh well let me go ahead and tell you all about this and uh she you know she turns into a southern yeah. belle and uh she, you know she, now preston i do declare, I do declare. <laughs> and uh you know she gets really excited about it and it, it's it's fun to watch her have that excitement you know like when i was oh, when yeah. i was younger like you know dad would take me to the bookstore and i would buy like um uh, like the star i had this book called like the stargate theory which is all about like you know ancient astronauts and then dad took me down to the wichita public library and they had that bookstore um like you know use use books for friends or whatever and um he -hmm. got me that uh eric von daniken um chariots of the gods he's like oh you gotta if you like that stargate Mm -hmm. book uh you'll really love this chariots of the god like that fucking swedish guy is crazy and uh you know he just used to just i don't know like perpetuate my my uh, curiosity for the unusual and the strange and Mm -hmm. so to see her get this Mm -hmm. worked up about it and get this interested in it you know just kind of warms my heart a little bit so i said you know babe we're doing a awesome. listener episode. Um, why don't you, um, you know, why don't you do do a segment on conspiracy theories? And you know, she got all excited about it, <laughs> and then started to get a little bit nervous because, uh, according to my daughter, we have thousands upon thousands of listeners, and she's never talked in front of that many people before. Oh yeah, we do. <laughs> and uh, you know, the back of my mind, I'm like, well, shit, it's really like fifty, and. You know, it's fine. They're all Masons. Yeah, they're all Masons. And, um, <laughs> they're you know, all she, Masons. She did, uh, she did a really good job. Like, I was trying to take a nap on the couch, and she was, like, texting me all these ideas. And I was kind of hoping she was going to go with the batshit crazy Nick Cage stuff. But she really couldn't find a lot of solid information. So she, she didn't want to bring a lot of speculation to the table. Um, <laughs> Addie, don't you worry. I took care yeah. of that. And I was just like, oh, honey, every single time we do an episode and I go to do research, like 90% of it's speculation. <laughs> like, it's not a lot of facts out there. We just we just roll with the punches. But uh, she put the, put yeah. together a little something. And uh, why don't you go ahead and roll, roll the tape? Roll that beautiful bean footage. What's up, all you cool ghosts and goblins? This is uh, Preston over at Pixelated Paranormal. My daughter and I are going to go ahead and interrupt the show for just a second. And she's going to go ahead and school the rest of the cast and possibly even you on conspiracy theories you didn't know that you wish you knew you knew. Hello, my name is Addie and today I will be telling you guys about the how the Grubhub ads are connected to the Jimmy Neutron world. Now if you were to put the Grubhub pictures of the cast next to the Jimmy Neutron cast, you can find similarities in each of the characters. If you were to look inside of 
We're just going to call him Taco Guy because they don't have names. But if you were to look inside his house, you can find a bench of a bunch of like stuff that Jimmy Neutron would have in his house. There's a lot of taco posters. There's the cactus from one episode. There's the hat that he has from that one episode. And his dog not only ordered him food once, but twice, and like got the best deal. So they believe that the Grubhub dog is the Jimmy Neutron's dog, Goddard. So basically, Grubhub released a series of ridiculous commercials featuring 3D animated characters, which led to a tidal wave of remarkable meme internet memes. There's a lot. They're not even funny anymore. Great internet minds figured out that there are actual relationships and backstories to these characters, aka actual Grubhub lore. People have took it from there, picking upon key details that suggested the cast of the 3D animated Grubhub commercials was in fact the cast of Nickelodeon's 3D animated kids show Jimmy Neutron, but 20-ish years in the future. Well, all right. Thank you for the interesting theory of uh, Grubhub being Jimmy Neutron from the future. And uh, now, dear listeners, we'll let you get back to enjoying the rest of the show. Also, Nicolas Cage is a vampire and a weirdo. There you have it, folks. Nicolas Cage is a vampire, which will be another Addison May conspiracy theory that we will deep dive later on down the road. So, Addie, thanks for submitting a story or a, a conspiracy theory that I didn't think I would really have much interest in, but instead found myself glued to YouTube for over half an hour <laughs> and then quickly Googling afterwards because that's really intriguing. I uh, I don't know a whole lot about Jimmy Neutron, admittedly, because it came on probably back in, what, 1998? And I watched a couple episodes here and there, but never really got too deep into it. So I didn't know a lot about Jimmy Neutron. How does she know about it? Is that Christo, like is that popular th- like with kids these days or what? And uh, I don't I don't think so, but she's like an internet sleuth, so like uh, she looked it internet up. Internet sleuth. Yeah, yeah got <laughs> Well, like, I mean, my my niece is watching YouTube videos connecting the dots to, like, all the Pixar movies. So at lunch yesterday, she was asking Nana and Papa, like, hey, you know when you're watching Finding Nemo and when they're in the, the dentist office, if you look over, you can see Buzz Lightyear, you know, sitting in the pile of toys. And she's connecting all the dots, how, like, all the Pixar movies have, you know, Easter eggs that connect each other together. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, she tried to go on to tell me that... um the girl from the ring that crawls out of the well. The well is actually the same well from Beauty and the Beast. And then that same girl is the one that crawls down the stairs backwards in the grudge. And I quickly said, Monica, honey, I think, I think you're wrong. I don't think those movies are connected at all. And they're not the same ghost. And then Shayla elbowed me and told me to shut up and let her have fun. And, uh, yeah, you're trying to yeah. flex. Yeah. <laughs> Try to flex on my eight-year-old yeah. niece. Well, but, Uncle, no, I think, Uncle Sean's I think he's the fine fucking these. expert here, and I just got on YouTube, and I'm going to give you a 20-minute lesson. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, I think you find these things um, just Googling on, uh, or, you know, searching on YouTube conspiracy yeah. theories. It's just, and this is crazy, too. Like, to me, why I said originally, you know, thanks for, you know, turning us on to this on something I wouldn't have normally looked up. Like, we're into, like, I don't know, the government controls the weather and, like, all this, you know, crazy kooky stuff that, you know, is a little deeper down the rabbit hole. But this Grubhub thing 
is like one of the most important fan theory slash conspiracies to like hit modern times in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Reddit's blown up about it. It's it's really cool. It's not like um, Pizzagate or anything like that, but it's just like good, wholesome fun because why on earth would Grubhub basically dredge up Jimmy Neutron 30 years later? Well, I guess it's not been 30 years, has it? Uh, more like, uh, no, like no. 15, 20. 23. Yeah. 23 years later not or something like that. that. That's crazy. But it's it's so it's so cool. So like I text Preston when I started watching this. And then I just kind of quickly got engrossed in just learning more about it because what a what a weird callback for Grubhub to make. But yeah, essentially, like she's talking about a video dropped on April Fool's and it's got a guy called the Taco Guy who's got a big pompadour and he sits around in his room and he's got a bunch of like toy robots up on his shelf. And I'm like, hey, I collect nerdy stuff, too. The kid's like in his 30s now. He's got a dog. And then you realize like. Yeah, Jimmy Neutron, he built a shit ton of robots in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he had a robot dog. Um, God, what did what did Addy say the name was? Goddard? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's Goddard the dog. And the conspiracy goes deeper into the fact that there's like blueprints about how to turn his dog into a real dog. Um, there's a cactus like she mentioned in the corner of his room, which refers to a cactus costume that he wore in like a very specific episode, uh, Jimmy Neutron wears an Adam uh, graphic tee, a red shirt with a yellow Adam on it. And there's a bowling alley, <laughs> a bowling alley scene where all the kids are wearing red graphic tees with Adams painted on them. That's crazy. It's, it's really bizarre. And then if you look at Jimmy Neutron coming out in 1998 and you fast forward 23 years later, all the kids in his class would be like in their 30s. And, like, Jimmy represents the taco guy, and his blonde friend represents the pregnant girl. And there's uh, the guy dancing around who looks, I believe, like he's probably um, of some kind of Hispanic um, descent. It's Jimmy's friend. There's a real nerdy guy in glasses who's the nerd from the cartoon. There's an African-American chick. He had an African-American friend. And, like, that's the core list of players in this set of uh, commercials and those are all from Jimmy Neutron. Like, there's not really a character unaccounted for. And then if you think, like, this isn't really that impressive, like, whatever, who cares? The people who basically broke this story was Food Theory, which is kind of a fun website or a YouTube channel to watch about different, you know, conspiracies and interesting thing about foods. They broke the story, and then freaking Grubhub responded. Hmm. <laughs> With like, they mailed this guy and his girlfriend uh, a packet that had like a bunch of photos and like screen grabs, and a unaired storyboard for another third commercial, and then basically challenging him to dig deeper. So it's like, at first, I watched the first video and I'm like, okay, Addy, this is fun. I like this. It's neat. It's a cool little thing to look up. And then there's a follow up. <laughs> There's a follow-up video from Food Theory who says, oh, my God, the, uh, oh, what do they call it? The Grubhub cinematic universe just got weirder. And he's like, holy crap, guys, I just got a care package from Grubhub. And it's like they're, like, taunting him saying, yeah, keep going. See what else you can dig up. So it was a fun rabbit hole to go yeah, down. fun with it. Yeah, yeah, it was, it's cool, man. And also, like, some good wholesome fun for someone, you know, at his yeah. age or some younger kids to go down and just research, and it, you know? it got me got me thinking. Um, 
because I've read several books over the years about like advertisement and then, yeah, like, so there was a, a study that people did where they looked at, you, you think Starbucks coffee, like what's the most popular coffee out there that everybody loves, that everybody goes and drinks and it's Starbucks. And mm-hmm. if you, if you think of just like how you drink your coffee every morning, that they've done studies that mm-hmm. show that you could have like the the you know break room coffee at your job like that really shitty tasting coffee that you know that's super cheap but you know every every employer mm-hmm. orders the same it's like in the you know silver bag that uh <laughs> if the unmarked silver yeah bag. the unmarked silver bag so what they did was they took that coffee and they brewed it they didn't add any flavor to it but then they got, let's say, like 20 people, and they poured that same, like, a pot of coffee into, like, several different cups. And one cup was blue, one cup was brown, one cup was green, one cup was clear, and one cup was red. And at the end of the study, they showed that if you drink coffee out of a red-colored coffee mug— um, mentally, you always think the coffee is hotter than what it really is. Like everybody's like, "Oh my God, the coffee burnt my mouth." Well, it it's not this a different temperature than the coffee that was in the 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 blue cup or a coffee that was in the white cup. It's because symbolically, when you see something red, you automatically think hot, so that your brain tricked you to think that the red cup of coffee was hotter than all the other cups. And people that drank coffee out of a white mug said that the coffee tasted creamier than the coffee out of any other mug. But it's the same fucking coffee. So if you look at Starbucks, <laughs> they, you know, they have kind of like this, uh, all of their, their styrofoam or whatever their, their paper cup is. It's white and it has green. And, you know, green was supposed to be like if you drank it out of like a green colored mug, like it was very calm and relaxing. So they they don't have to produce mm-hmm. good coffee. They can trick you into thinking it's like the top shit just by the color of the cup that they put it in. Mm. And then um, there was a study shown later on that like when you go to New York and you'd go into the Apple store, all the Apple stores in New York had like a, a Fourier that you would walk into or like a vestibule and it, it was like covered in speakers. So as you're walking through it, they had this like frequency that was pumping through it like at a low volume so that you necessarily wouldn't hear it, but subconsciously your brain was picking up on it and that frequency would make you more susceptible to buy things. So everybody who walked in that store, when the salesperson came up, was like, oh, you want a fucking iPad, you want a fucking iWatch, you want this, you want that. You were like, you know what? I do want that. Oh yeah, let's, let's just go ahead. Give me this, <laughs> this, this, and this. And so there's been these studies where you can control the outcome of a sale or what people do just by either, you know, tweaking a color or subconsciously doing something. So if you have a whole generation, if you look at the generation of people who are more likely to use Grubhub, what did they grow up watching? Mm -hmm. What did they grow up doing? So subconsciously, like you could do Jimmy Neutron in the fucking future and make it like, you know, Jimmy Neutron as an adult. So Sean, Steve and I are watching this commercial like, dude, this is fucking stupid. Why the fuck is Grubhub have this cartoon? But if you were a child 
who grew up and watched Jimmy Neutron, subconsciously, you're just like, fuck yeah, Grubhub. I'm ordering Grubhub tonight. I'm doing this. <laughs> I'm doing that. And so when you look at it from that yeah. point of view, you're like, holy fucking shit, this makes sense. Goddamn government's controlling what type of people I use for my, to deliver my food and whatnot. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, man. That's, that's exactly, that's exactly yeah. right. And also, I mean, we all know nostalgia is a very powerful drug. Like, I just got through watching the first five glorious, and I say that with peace and love and 100% uh, admiration, the first five glorious episodes of Masters of the Universe Revelations. Oh, I loved it. And like, dude, I... Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I was amped because I grew up watching He-Man, and you fast forward, you know, 35 years later, and they're mm -hmm. showing more He-Man. I'm going to fucking watch it. So while I can sit here and be like, well, Jimmy Neutron, who gives a lick? Addy could sit there and be like, He-Man of the Masters of the Universe, who gives a lick? You know? So, I mean, like, I'm not the audience they're aiming towards, and that's fine. But nostalgia is very powerful. Yeah. Very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that is that is awesome. Addy, thanks again for writing that in. Um, I'm thrilled to find out the third act of what happens. I'm, I'm following food theory every couple of days to see if they <laughs> post a new video. <laughs> now... Funny. To move on to chapter two of Conspiracy Theories, she mentioned that Nicolas Cage is a vampire and also a weirdo. Well, you're not wrong, Addie. <laughs> uh, Nicolas Cage is a bit of an oddball. Uh, you know, I don't know if she's old enough yet to watch Color Out of Space or to watch Mandy. Um, I have yet to watch Pig yet, but he's got a new yeah. movie out called Pig. I've got a copy of it. I just haven't watched it yet. But, yeah, he's an oddball. One could argue, though, that he's gone full tilt Elijah Wood, and he's only doing the projects that he wants to do now because he doesn't have to, you know, do, uh, uh, oh, gosh. Um, National Treasure, Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah, he doesn't have to do all these Hollywood movies to make money. Like, now he's doing okay, so he can just do projects that he wants to. But anyway, Addy, you said that Nicolas Cage is a vampire. Well, the whole story got started because of Jack Mord, an antique dealer in Seattle, Washington, who got the rumor mill cooking when he posted a photograph for sale on eBay of a man who he says is from Bristol, Tennessee, who looks shockingly like nobody else but Nicolas Cage. And I don't know if you guys can see it the photo does. there in the That's dock, crazy. but it looks like Nicolas Cage. Now, side note, here's something very fun to do, Addy. Jump on Google with your parents' permission. Um, or, hell, I think maybe you have a cell phone. Maybe you don't have to have the permission. I always say, though, ask permission. And look up celebrities who look like old photos. There's tons of them. It's really interesting because mm -hmm. almost every actor has somebody from, like, the 1800s who looks just like them. But anyway, the seller said, personally, I believe it's him and that he is some sort of walking undead vampire, etc., who quickens and reinvents himself oh, once every 75 years or so. And he put this thing up on eBay for some big, big bucks because it was also the only photo in his collection of photos that he had bought in a box that didn't have somebody's name written on the back of it. So that's what really supposedly tipped him off, that he indeed was a vampire because it was the one photo who didn't have an actual identifying name on the back. Well, Addy, I'm going to put the kibosh on that because we're forgetting one important 
problem here. If this is indeed a photo of Nicolas Cage, and Nicolas Cage is indeed a vampire, then that wouldn't work because you cannot take a photo of a vampire just like you cannot see the reflection in a mirror. Mm. So that is the one important detail here that uh, Mr. Jack Mord is missing, that technically there would not be a photo of him. But, Addy and dear listeners, let's talk about another... Oh, hang on a second. But, Addy and listeners, Nicolas Cage did play in a 1988 film called Vampire's Kiss. Hmm. It's a comedy where Nicolas Cage plays a character called Peter Lowe. Did you watch it, Steve? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, is it good? It's not bad. It's old school. Uh, He did a lot of comedies back in the day, in them days. Yeah, I think this came out right around the time as Once Bitten that had uh, Jim Carrey in it. Mm -hmm. Well, he plays an executive at a publishing house who has an unusually kinky night with a girl at a bar, played by Jennifer Beals. And then he spends the rest of the movie convinced that he is turning into a vampire. He goes completely unhinged in a role that gets loonier and loonier as the film progresses. Mm. But I think... He is not actually a vampire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I think two two things are are going on here, and um, one of it has to do with just the on the theory on how the universe works. So we're we're kind of like recycled energy. So there's this theory that this uh, author kind of wrote a book about about how when Nero got murdered in Rome and, you know, kind of took his last breath and let all that out, that those particles in that breath kind of went throughout the whole entire earth. So at one point somebody else was breathing those particles in. So whatever, Mm -hmm. eventually when you die, like even though that you're dead, everything like the atoms and the cells that make you you kind of break down and then they just kind of float around the universe and eventually the universe recycles it and kind of reconstructs mm-hmm. it again. So this idea that you have somebody from you know the 1700s or the 1870s that looks like Nick Cage now, well, that's because those atoms and everything kind of got recycled and then when Nick Cage was born... I mean, the universe came together and said, this guy's kind of good looking. Like, I don't know, maybe we need another guy around looking like that. <laughs> and that's that's what happened, right? So if, you know, we had if we yeah. had that ability to go back a thousand years and actually look at all these different people throughout history, um, you know, you would see that the same facial structure, the same whatever keeps popping up. Now, last episode, we talked about the X-Files and how I've been just like fucking binging the shit out of it and how I had this newfound appreciation Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. how they really deep dive into all these different topics and pull out this folklore. And in one of them, uh, Mulder comes across this compound and, you know, this fucking like seventh day Advent star of the Jesuit you know, cult is coming together and, you know, they have like all these like weapons hidden in a bunker. And they found this woman that has like a multiple personality disorder. And one of the personality comes through and starts saying like, oh, Mr. Mulder, you know, back in 1870s, we were once lovers and I watched your body die on the field. And he's like, oh, my God, I I have a past life I didn't know about. And then they both get hypnotized. And then, you know, Scully, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it yet, I don't know what the fuck you're doing because this came out like 20 years ago. But she goes through 
this Civil War archive, and she founds she finds this photo that looks like Mulder and looks like the lady. So there's also this idea that, you know, if you believe in reincarnation, that when your soul reincarnates, you still carry on those same features or slightly the same features because you're just, you know, you're reincarnated into a new life. So maybe this uh, guy in the Civil War photo is just a reincarnated Nick Cage. Huh. Okay. Hey, I'd buy that. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there you go. Interesting. We got to get started on that series of death and reincarnation. One of these I days. mean, I, we've only been planning it for like two yeah, years. Yeah, and, and the the one the the one book stop worrying. There's an afterlife. I've already written Steve like forty different fucking speaking parks. So I mean, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, that that whole episode's been in the works for a while, baby. Yeah, it sure has. Hell. Well, chapter three on conspiracies, guys. The news story I wanted to share with you is about perhaps one of the longest-running and most important modern-day conspiracies of all times. This comes from CBS News. Steve, tell your dad to listen. (laughs) Scientists in the United Arab Emirates... I probably butchered... Is that... Emirates? 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 It sounds biblical. I I think Emirates. in the United Arab Emirates are making it rain artificially due to the fact that Dubai is surpassing daily temperatures of 115 degrees Fahrenheit. So their government decided to take control of the scorching weather and make it rain, literally. They're sending up drones with electrical charges to manipulate the weather and force rainfall across the desert nation. That's right, guys. You heard it here first. The government does indeed control the weather. Meteorological, uh, meteorological, why is that hard? (laughs) So fucking hard to say. Meteorologist. Meteorological. (laughs) (laughs) Footage was released this week showing a downpour over Ras al-Kamar, as well as several other regions in Dubai. The new method of cloud seeding is what it's called. Cloud seeding shows promise in helping to mitigate drought conditions worldwide without as many environmental concerns as previous methods involving salt flares did. Annually, the United Arab Emirates receives about four inches of rain per year. Hell, we got that today. Oh, yeah. The government is hoping that regularly zapping clouds to generate rain will help alleviate some of the arid nation's annual heat waves. According to research from the University of Reading in the United Kingdom, scientists created storms using drones, which could hit clouds with electricity, creating large raindrops. The larger raindrops are essentially are essential in the hot country, where smaller droplets often evaporate before even hitting the ground. It's moving to think that the rainfall technology I saw today, which is still being developed, may someday support countries in water-scarce environments like the UAE. Mm-hmm. Of course, our ability to manipulate weather is puny compared to the forces of nature. We're a mind- we are mindful that the- at the university, we have a big role to play by working with global partners to understand and help prevent the worst effects of climate change. So basically what they're doing is flying these drones up with um, 
Oh, I forget the science behind it. But basically, like, I think the clouds have a negative charge, so they fly the drones up with a positive charge, and they basically just pr- promote the production of mm-hmm. rain. So, I don't know. It's fucking awesome. Yay, science. Also, like, I don't know. Tinfoil hat on me kind of says, like, uh, somebody could maybe use this. Yeah, there, there's there been this, like, ongoing theory that um, ever since, like, the, you know, like, late 1800s, and then, uh, you know, my grandmother, um, she grew up during, like, the Dust Bowl period, and so she kind of recounted those stories about, you know, having to wear, uh-huh. like, towels around her head, and, like, you know, in the middle of the day, like, you'd have to go, like, beat you know, mud and dirt out of like cloths hanging over the windows because like the dust was so bad. And so you had like mm-hmm. these snake oil salesmen they are like, you know, for 50 cents or for a dollar, I'll go ahead and light a bomb up in the sky and we'll blow the rain right out of the cloud. And, you know, <laughs> nine times out of 10, like shit would happen. So people kind of bought into it. And then later on, um, you see, where scientists started to like when they're like crop dusting and things like that, and you hear you know all these conspiracy theories about chemtrails, that they would actually release silver ions into the atmosphere because uh-huh. a buildup of silver ions eventually, kind of like how you're talking about like the negative and like positive shifts in the you know the charge, the electrical charge. If there's enough silver ions that are built up in the atmosphere. When that charge shifts, it releases a, a bunch of rain. And then if you look at like almost after every 4th of July in America, because fuck the government, Americans really yeah. control the weather. The fact that we're like fucking like, yeah, fucking Independence Day. And we're like shooting off all these fucking fireworks up into the sky. A lot of those fireworks naturally have small amounts of several silver particles in them. And if you watch the weather weather patterns after the holiday, uh, you see an increase in certain areas where like rain will come in, and that's because we've just blown a bunch of like silver particles and shit up in the atmosphere, and those charges change and releases the rain. So I mean, huh. we, we've been doing it for a while. So now we're just using drones. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, I was reading a bit while you were talking about that, and essentially what happens is they zap the clouds with electricity. And electric charges causing the clouds to then clump together or conjole them, thus producing large amounts of precipitation. Yeah. Fuck yeah, science. Yeah. Steve, we need to have a retort from your dad. Have your dad listen to yeah. my And maybe yeah. your dad he thinks maybe your dad knows a little bit about like, you know, the great Andover tornado, because there are some theories that because we stored nuclear weapons at McConnell's Air Force Base. That every single tornado season, if you actually look at the patterns of the tornado, it automatically always goes around McConnell. Yeah, but, so maybe the government really is controlling the have, weather. But, yeah, I was going to say that's what that's some entities controlling weather. That's just silly. It's not even <laughs> worth talking about, in my opinion. It's fucking yeah. dumb. <laughs> like that's the, that's the silliest thing. It's just as silly as like we discussed with the flat earthers. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, you guys want to hear my story about a haunted pizza hut back in my hometown? P-Hut. Now, the story I'm about to share is one that I don't believe I've actually told on the show before. I know I've alluded to it, 
and referenced it a few times, but I don't think I've ever told it in its entirety. So it takes place back in the summer of 2005 when I'm a manager at a pizza hut back in my hometown. It was a Friday or Saturday night, and I was the closing manager on duty. Now the rule was, as a closing manager, you are not allowed to leave the store by yourself at the end of a shift. No matter what, you had to have at least one employee stay with you, that way you didn't leave with your nightly deposit in your hand, and it lessened your chance of being jumped or robbed. Well, on this specific Friday or Saturday night, it was around 11.45 or midnight, my waiter had gone home, my delivery driver had gone home, and it was just myself and the closing cook, who was a buddy of mine named Jake. Now back then, we had a blockbuster right behind the Pizza Hut, so it wasn't unusual for whoever your closing employee was to duck out for a few minutes while you counted down the drawer so they can go to Blockbuster and rent a movie or whatever buy two get three DVD sale that was going on. So that night, Jake wanted to run over to Blockbuster, so I walked him to the back, I let him out, and I locked the back door. Now I went to the front, I counted down my cash register, made the nightly deposit, and I locked up the safe. But Jake wasn't back yet. So I thought I'd kill some time and I would just meander through the dining room and double check that all the tables were reset, all the cheese shakers and pepper shakers were full, and all the napkins and silverware were back on the tables. So I got my cash bag in one hand and I'm walking through the dining room, checking out all the tables and the shakers and the silverware. And I get to the very end when I've got one more aisle of tables to walk down. Now in this moment I'm by myself, there's nobody else in the dining room, the music's turned off, and all you can hear is the soft hum of the coolers that are in the kitchen, the air conditioner, and the walk-in freezer. And as I begin to go down the last aisle of tables, the entire dining room erupts into the sounds of a full-blown Friday night restaurant dinner rush. Kids are screaming, people are talking over each other, everybody's carrying on. But the dining room is still completely empty. Now I freeze in place and this goes on for about 30 or 45 seconds. And then finally I gain the courage to yell out instinctively, Hello? Is anybody in here? And then the noise kind of just instantly stops. But not just the noise of the dining room, the weird ghostly dinner rush that I'm hearing. It's like somebody muted all the sound in the building. I can't hear the coolers, the walk-in, the air conditioner. I can't even hear the traffic out in front of the store on the main street. It's like someone just pulled the cord and everything is just dead quiet. This goes on for about 10 or 15 seconds. And then out of nowhere, I hear the sound of a woman screaming bloody murder. And then she just begins to laugh maniacally. And shortly after she stops laughing, the entire dining room erupts into this giant roar of laughter. Now, the best way to describe how I'm feeling is like Ash from the Evil Dead when he's standing in the middle of the cabin and the lampshades and picture frames and shutters and dead deer are all laughing at him. I felt in that moment that I was losing my whole grip on reality and I was having a meltdown. 
And I'm standing there and my heart's beating and my blood's damn near frozen. And this weird phantom laughter is just getting louder and louder and louder. And then out of nowhere I hear, and it's Jake. Jake's back there banging on the door, telling me that he's ready to come back in because he's done at Blockbuster. And so I take off running like I'm being chased by a thousand demons. And I kick open the back door and I say, man, you're not going to believe it. And Jake says, what the fuck, man? Who's in here with you? And I say, what? Nobody. And then Jake runs up to the front of the store and he yells out, hey, homie, you got to get the fuck out of here, man. No one's supposed to be in here because we're closed. You got to leave, man. And so I take off after Jake and I catch up to him and we're both standing there in the doorway that kind of leads from the kitchen to the waitstaff area behind the front counter. And we're standing there bewildered because we don't see anybody. But then about five feet in front of us, where the waitstaff counter is separated by a little walkway, we see a humanoid figure on all fours scurry across the tile floor right in front of us. And we both yell out, holy shit! But then we lose sight of this thing because it disappears on the other side of the opening of the front counter. So we don't see where it scurries off to. And so we both run through the opening and it's gone. It's nowhere to be seen. And so I turn around and ask Jake what the guy looked like that he saw when he came in. So what Jake tells me is whenever I opened the back door, what he saw behind me was a six foot tall man standing behind the front counter, like he was a customer waiting to be helped. But then when Jake said, who the hell's in here with you, the figure looked over at him and then squatted down behind the counter. But what freaked Jake out was the fact that this guy was all gray, like solid gray, and he couldn't see any actual features on his face. He said everything was like muted and blurry. So he thought it was somebody in here playing a prank on us. Well, Jake and I walked around the dining room, one person on one side, one person on the other, and we flanked the entire restaurant. We looked under every table. We checked the party room. We lifted up booths to see if anybody was hiding in the booths. We checked the bathrooms. We checked the kitchen. We checked all the coolers. We even opened up the dishwasher. And there was nobody there. We checked the walk-in cooler. We checked the freezer. We even went upstairs in the damn attic. And we didn't find anybody. Now, to get out, you would have had to have had a key to unlock the front door or the emergency exit or even the back door. You couldn't leave unless you had a key to unlock any of those doors. Well, we never found anybody. And so the next day at work, I pulled the store manager into the party room and I just tell her, look, uh, this is slightly embarrassing, but the weirdest shit happened to Jake and I last night. And I tell her exactly what happens. And the entire time she just stares at me like, it's kind of a familiar story. And so when I'm done, she says, well, I've never seen any figures, but I gotta say that I hate being in here by myself anytime after we close. Because she said every single time she's in the store by herself, she gets the distinct feeling like somebody's watching her. And she turns around just in time to see nobody behind her. 
So that's one of the reasons why she likes to have somebody stay behind with the closing manager. Because she herself is just completely terrified that somebody's in there with her. And I'd like to say that's the last thing that happened at this haunted pizza hut. But later that same year, on Christmas night, Adam and myself, along with Adam's ex-girlfriend Sherry, and my then-girlfriend, now-wife, Shayla, went in to prep dough for the day after Christmas. Now, when we walked in, we were carrying on, laughing and talking, but as soon as we walked in the building, we could hear the distinct sound of people already in the kitchen, banging around pots and pans, murmuring, talking, laughing... And so we instantly thought, what the fuck? We volunteered to come in tonight, and if somebody's already here, this is bullshit because it's Christmas. So we turn and run to the kitchen. The lights are off. There's nobody in there. All the pans are put away. The kitchen is completely spotless. Well, we did what we were supposed to do, and we sprayed and oiled all the pans and put on the frozen pizza discs for the dough got everything ready for the next shift. But the entire time we were there, off and on, you'd hear pizza pans being dropped and slammed around. You could hear people whispering and murmuring behind you. And if you went to investigate, there'd be nobody there. The dishwasher was empty and open. All the pizza pans and all the pizza dishes were all where they were supposed to be. Nothing had ever fallen off any shelves. But the entire time we were there for like two hours, all four of us could hear whispering and murmuring and what sounded like pizza pans getting tossed around and dropped on the floor. Even as we were leaving that night, Adam said, okay, well, Merry Christmas. We're getting out of here. Peace. And then we heard three or four pans fall and hit the floor. And the next morning, the opener told us, Everything was great, the kitchen was spotless, and not a single pizza pan was out of place. So to this day, I can still not explain. So to this day, I still can't explain what the hell happened. Either time. The weird atmosphere in the dining room, the laughing, the screaming, the weird gray figure that scurried across the floor on all fours, or the Pizza Hut Christmas Phantom. But what I do know is I wasn't alone either time it happened. I saw Jake 10 years later and asked him if he still remembered what happened that night. And I said, hey man, do you remember that night at Pizza Hut when you went to Blockbuster and I was by myself? And I opened the door and then Jake quickly finished my sentence and said, and we saw that creepy ass gray thing standing up by the front counter that we never found. He's like, yeah, I remember that bullshit. I've never forgotten and then just the other day, I messaged Adam on Instagram and asked if he remembered that night on Christmas. And he too remembered exactly what happened and agreed that it's unexplainable and some of the weirdest shit we ever experienced at the old pea hut. And so there you go. Is the Pizza Hut in El Dorado, Kansas haunted? I say yes, and so does my friend Adam. Oh, it's very, very possible. Well, if Adam says yes, I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. 
I uh, I reached out to a few previous uh, managers out there, and nobody really wants to talk about it. So I don't know if either A, I am batshit crazy, or B, they just don't give a shit. So yeah, yeah. All right. Wonder wonder why they they don't want to reach out to you. I don't know, They're and dicks. you know, it's I'm not going to push it. I asked a few of them, and they said they don't really remember. Basically, what happens is I say, "Hey, so and so, have you had ever had any you know interesting or unexplainable thing happen?" No. And they're like, oh, you know, I have it, but uh, why don't you reach out to blah, blah, blah. And I'll reach out to them, and they just kind of keep passing the buck. So, uh, hey, what do you do? Haunted. Yeah. Okay. Haunted. haunted. Now, speaking of haunted, Preston, why don't you take our next story? The listener wants to remain anonymous. Yeah. So, and that's from fine. anonymous. When I was growing up on a farm, there were many nights when I could feel my little sister crawling to bed with me at night. We were both really little. I was about 11, and she was 6. So, I didn't even wake up, just kind of rolled over and make room for her. She would always back in she was always back in her own bed in the morning when I would wake up, so I never thought much of it. After this would happen for a couple months, I asked her about it, and she seemed to know or she seemed not to know what I was talking about. So I asked my mom. That's when she told me about the twins. Before we moved in, the house belonged to a family outside of Wichita, Kansas, and unfortunately, they had tragically lost their young daughters at the age of five. I know how it sounds, but they still lived in that house. They weren't malicious, and they never hurt anyone, though. Things would often go missing around the house. Toys, TV remotes, small things here and there, sometimes for days. Eventually, we figured out that if we were looking for something and we spoke out loud of what we were looking for, we would find it again shortly after. For example, if one of my toys went missing, I could go into the next room and say, I sure hope I find my action figure back where it belongs. Then waited a short minute and returned to my room, and there uh, my makeup would be back in the drawer as though it never went missing. Once my family were aware of the twins and they became more aware of us, our interactions would grow more every day. I never saw them, but you could hear tiny feet on the wood staircase down the hall or laughter in the next room. But it wasn't like we could literally hear them, it was more of like we could feel the sound of their voice, if that makes sense. Other than that, just a bunch of little things would happen a lot, such as my Xbox turning on randomly in the night, or my TV changing channels. We moved out of the farm after a year, so I don't know what happened to them, but I haven't experienced anything like that anywhere else, and I don't have a lot of explanation other than what we felt to be true. But thank you for providing a place to tell our story. Damn, haunted wow. twins. Yeah. Oh, creepy. Yeah, no shit. Like the greedy twins. <laughs> hey, at least it wasn't like the greedy twins, yeah. right? Right, true. Well, thank you for sending that in. We really appreciate it. And to keep the pattern going, our last story for the episode, concluding our 200th episode celebration, is Woo-hoo! anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> and and for, again, you know, for a good reason. Um, we heard y'all like aliens, so we're going to finish with an alien story. 
Hey guys, great show. Thanks for the laughs and keep up the good work. Here's a story that I have set on for over 30 years. I haven't told anyone before now, and I left my name out, and I ask that you please don't tell people who I am. Here goes. When I was in the fourth grade, back in 1995, something happened at a slumber party at my best friend Jimmy's house that would change my life. I think I saw my friend's stepdad get abducted by aliens. I changed their names to keep them anonymous too, just in case. Everything that night started off normal and fun. We ate pizza, we drank too much Pepsi, we read comics, we played Mario 3 and TMNT on his NES. Fuck yeah! And when his parents went to bed around 11pm, we snuck into the kitchen to grab a few more cans of Pepsi, and then we even watched some Cinemax <laughs> in the static of my friend's TV in his bedroom. Cinemax. Decent. <laughs> Ah, good old blurry boobies, a rite of passage. Uh, I mean, that's what I did when I spent the night at my friend Timmons' house. Uh, We figured out how to, like, you know, find, like, you know, the really crappy, stacky, you know, Skinamax. And we're like, oh, my God. And then, you know, his parents would come down. We're like, oh, shit, change it real quick. We weren't doing anything. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's too good. (laughs) Well, as you expect, after drinking so much caffeine, I had a hard time falling asleep on the floor in Jimmy's room. So I thought I'd take my pillow and a blanket and sleep on the couch in the living room. They had leather couches, and we didn't at my house, so that sounded perfectly badass. So I made my way in the living room and set up my bed on the couch and tried my best to fall asleep. No dice. I just laid there in a caffeine-addled haze. And then I saw the lights. At first, I thought someone had shined a flashlight in the living room window because I saw a bright light shine right above me from the window above the couch, and it lit up the wall across from me. But then it moved back and forth a bit, and then went out. What the fuck? Who's outside their house? And then a brighter light shined in the other window by their front door on the other wall. And then it too moved back and forth. And then went out. And something in my tiny brain flickered. And I suddenly felt unsafe. And then it dawned on me. These must just be headlights of cars driving by their house, you dummy. Wow, you're just scaring yourself. There's nothing to worry about. Then their entire kitchen lit up from a bunch of lights shining from all different windows. Fuck! And I remember thinking that there's no way there are two or three cars in their backyard. Something was wrong. And then I looked over at the doorway to his parents' hallway, and I saw Jimmy's stepdad, Jerry, standing in the doorway, staring into the living room, at the window by the door. And he just said, Damn, do you keep turning the lights on and off? And I said, No. And he said, Huh, lots of cars turning around in the driveway, huh? And I just stared at him because I didn't know what to say. And then, all at once, bright light shined into all the windows in the living room and the kitchen. 
lighting up the whole house. It was so bright I covered my eyes with my hands, and after a few seconds I looked between a space between my fingers to see if it was still bright, and there were still lights shining in the windows, but they were a pretty blue color. And I started looking around to see where Jerry was, and then I saw him there in the corner of the room across from me, staring at the wall, hunched over, with his mouth and his eyes open, just staring at nothing. And I wanted to scream, but I was so scared, I just sat there and stared at Jerry, until all of a sudden, the house was dark again, and the blue lights went out, and I heard Jerry's bedroom door shut. And I think now that I was just so scared, I fell asleep or passed out. The next morning at breakfast, Jimmy's mom made us eggs and sausage and orange juice. And Jerry came in the kitchen and sat down by me. I just stared at him, waiting for him to bring up what happened with all the lights. But he just sat there smiling and eating his eggs like nothing was wrong. So I asked him, Sure were lots of cars turning around in the driveway, right? He just stared at me smiling and said, Huh, sure, I guess. Did it keep you up? And I said, well, you were there, right? You saw them. Must have been bright to keep you up too, huh? And Jerry and Jimmy's mom just sat there staring at me confused. So I repeated myself. I mean, you were there too and you saw all the cars, right? I mean, they kept you up because you came in the living room and the kitchen and you saw them, right? Because you just stood there and you saw them too. Nothing. He just looked at me confused and said, Nah, buddy, I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry. Did you dream something? I don't remember getting up at all, dude. I slept like a rock. And he just smiled and kept eating his damn eggs. So I said, Yep, I guess I just dreamed up all those blue lights in the kitchen too, huh? Jerry's dad reached for his orange juice glass, and his hand started shaking real bad spilling his orange juice over the side. And he said, huh, and then just stared into space. Something was wrong, something in there, but Jerry didn't remember. I did. I still do. And that was the last night I ever slept over at Jimmy's. Damn. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, what the fuck? I mean, it kind of makes you wonder after hearing that story, like, you know, he put his he put his hands over his eyes, and then, you know, we think alien abductions like time slips where you don't realize how much time has passed. Wonder yeah. if they were both abducted. I mean, that's kind of what I thought, like you saw him standing there and then all of a sudden like you open your eyes and he's looking at the corner at the wall. That's fucked up too, by the way, just staring at the wall with your mouth hanging open. And then all of a sudden the house is going dark and you hear the door shut. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, whoever that was, I think maybe you should go get regressed. Yeah. yeah I think there's some yeah. X-Files shit going on, on there. Anonymous. <laughs> Fuck, man. 
Well, again, um, thank you for sending that in to us, uh, for trusting us, and thank everybody. Thank you all for sending us your stories. It's always a blast. We always really appreciate it, and uh, we hope you guys have more. So if you guys ever have anything you want to share with us, email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. You can send us a voicemail to our Google Voice. That phone number is 913-662-3144. And we have a few more submissions that haven't got into us yet, um, so we'll include those on future episodes. But for now, that concludes our 200th and 201st episode listener story extravaganza. And look, don't don't ever be afraid to send these stories in because I'm a sucker for all these stories. Like I wholeheartedly, this is like a judge-free zone a zone with me. Like I'm on board 100. Mm-hmm. percent You have a story, I want to listen yeah. to it because this fucking just kicks my rocks off. Like I love this shit. So uh, this this yeah. is a s- safe zone to share the experiences. So, you know what? If you want to be anonymous, we love anonymous. You know, it's cool. Change some names. I like Jerry. Jerry's a pretty good, solid name for, you know, changing a name and a story. So send the (laughs) shit in. We want to hear it. Yeah, please. Um, Yeah, but also, like, what a great bushel of variety, too, man. We had aliens. We had Bigfoots. We had ghosts. We had conspiracies. Yeah, it was a solid haul. Oh, yeah. It was. Most definitely. The people delivered. <laughs> and as a perfect punctuation to the episode, Corey just text our group, A Cryptozoologist's Guide to Collective Nouns. A group of Nessies is called a shoal of Nessies. A group of Mothmen is called a flutter of Mothmen. A group of Sasquatch is called a posse of Sasquatch. You also have a wreck of Kraken and a brood of Mongolian death worms. Again, this has been Corey Porter's Guide to Crypto. Huh. <laughs> Corey Porter's Cryptozoologist Guide <laughs> to Collecting. And if you're Nouns. listening, Corey, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you guys are into video games and watching streams, please check out Corey's uh, Twitch channel, Pixelated Plays. He's also got a YouTube channel. What is that? Uh, Pixelated Plays Games? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, on YouTube. So, yeah, awesome. Good, good stuff. All right, boys, anything else? Should we pack up and get out of here? Fuck out of here. Let's do it. Cool. Check us out on Instagram, PXL Paranormal. Check us out on Facebook, Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. And uh, give us the shares. Give us an honest review on iTunes if you can. Be great. Yes, please. And yeah, that's about it. Hell yeah. Tell your friends, tell your family. And while you're at it, ask your family if they too have weird ghost stories. If they ever saw strange lights shining in their kitchen. We'd love to hear about it. Check out our backlog of episodes on 13 Nightmares, Steve and I and Brady's um, horror movie podcast. Hopefully we'll get another episode of that coming up here pretty quick. Check out Mark's Attack the Backlog. Check out Pixelated Sausage. Presto, what do you got, buddy? And as always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow the best damn beard that you can grow, then check out BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. And pick yourself up some scents like Dundee Cedar Bay Rum, Sweet Tobacco, Fresh, Citrus, Mint, and Classic. Mm-hmm. 
And old Dobbs sent us in a little bit of a uh, teaser for a story that he's got cooking up in real time for us. So mm-hmm. uh, I hate to be vague about it, but might have something really perplexing to come out of uh, Big Dobbs' neck of the wood. Yeah. Cool. And if you're in the Wichita area, please stop by and see our friend Leslie up at CD Trade Post at Pawnee and Seneca. All right. And awesome. as a little teaser, it's been over a year, folks, since we made you all moister than a bucket of oysters. Next episode, 202, will be Pixelated Paranormal Presents Late Night, Volume 4. That's right, Isaac. Prepared to be wet from us. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's been long enough. And Chelsea, we hope you're excited. (laughs) I don't know if we're going to ever share Act 3 of that Bigfoot Uh. uh, smut, but uh, I don't know. Preston, you said you might uh, you might have a lawn gnome. Yeah, I got, I got one about lawn gnomes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, everybody, practice your Southern Bell accents, and we will uh, we'll bring it home next week. He was out in the yard looking at me with those dainty eyes, and I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god." That's all I got so far. That's a yeah. teaser. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> All right, guys, until next time, cheers to the weird shit in the world and to those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the Paranormal Highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.